Hi, and welcome to Showcast. In this episode, we find out how One Notch Designer transported viewers at home to the Lollapalooza Festival and beyond. Motion graphics artist Tanner Thompson used his experience of live concert design to make a series of virtual productions for EDM DJ Nightmare. With Nightmare's US tour cut short, Tanner rolled with the punches and created an online experience inspired by the real-life tour, but unbound by the limitations of reality. Join us as we discuss photogrammetry, experimenting with custom code, and Tanner's notch and touch designer workflow. I'm Kat Kemsley, and you're listening to The Notch Showcast. Hi, Tanner. Welcome to Showcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. Um, I'm really glad to have the chance to talk with you today. Um, it's been on my agenda to get you on the showcast since day one. Tell me a bit about what you've been up to since we last spoke um, last year. Sure, yeah. Um, so since last year, I've transitioned into more of a independent studio. Um, I was doing freelance for a number of years before that, but just really wanted to try and flex some of my independent creative muscles as much as possible. Um, and so that's led to some cool projects. What we'll talk about most is the projects with Nightmare. Um, and that's ev- evolved from providing visuals for his tour and then kind of dealing with everything that came with 2020 and COVID and just trying to adapt to find something that works. And that's been live streams and just kind of experimenting in that world. Before we crack into the work that you've been doing with Nightmare for the virtual shows, I'd like to take a step back in time and find out how you got into this wild world of motion graphic design for live shows. I found out that you studied motion media design at Savannah College of Art and Design and it was a little while ago now, but do you remember what first attracted you to motion graphics? Yeah, so I'm 31 now and when I was like 15, I Got my first opportunities doing post-production professionally. That's young. Um, yeah. And so I was pretty fortunate. I guess if I go way back, it was like skateboarding that got me into video and then making skate videos with friends and then just really leaning into the editing. And then learning editing led me into just like how far can that side of things go? Like I really liked editing to the music. Um, and so... Eventually, I found that motion graphics was a thing. It was pretty uh, under the radar as far as notoriety at that point where I was at in the world. Um, And so I found the Savannah College of Art and Design eventually. And they had a very specific degree for motion media design. And at the time, that was pretty rare. A lot of things were um, like, you know... uh, multimedia or vfx like those are kind of not quite motion graphics depending on how you're looking at it um so i was very attracted to that program and got to study there with some really cool professors that had done a lot of awesome after effects work and i learned cinema 4d initially i wanted to do like title sequences for movies or like action sports that was kind of my motivation Um, But then in university, I found out that 
gigantic stage production was a thing and that they had a lot of screens and that they needed them to be cool. And that just kind of blew my mind. I think it was uh, Ultra Music Festival around 2008 or so that I got to witness just kind of the pinnacle at the time of stage production. And that just really directed my path for a number of years after that. Oh, cool. So did you find that independently in terms of just going to festivals in your 20s? Or did your professors kind of explain like there's more than one canvas or more than one medium that needs motion graphic design? Sure. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, it, at the school, um, I had a there's a couple of awesome professors. Um, James Gladman was one and he had a class where he broke down some of like the history of VJing, which was really cool. And do you remember your first job out of uni? Like, how did you, if you had an idea in your mind, like, okay, live show design, that's something I want to go into. How did you make that kind of ideal of what you want to do into reality? Yeah, I mean, it was a process. Like, I got my first full-time job eventually after a different internship. So that allowed me to land on the West Coast back in like 2011. And around that time, I pretty much would work during the day and then I'd come home at night and I just had a huge desire to lean into VJing. And so I spent my evenings learning as much as I could and then kind of reached out to the local music scene and started to get plugged in. There was a real good buddy, Miguel Vega, that was a big help in getting me connected with the people that I needed to talk to. There was a crew that was throwing slightly underground bass music shows in San Diego. That was kind of where I cut my teeth, was doing those club shows for a couple of years until eventually um, Miguel introduced me to Velo Vercus who, uh, from V-Squared Labs at the time. And so that's when I started doing larger productions was with V-Squared Labs and worked with them all the way through their transition into Excite Labs, um, as well as a number of other studios along the way. So you're, you're running freelance for about eight years. What have you found has been the biggest difference between being a freelancer and being a studio? Yeah, um, well, I'm still learning a lot about the studio side of things. Um, being on the smaller side of the studio world has its challenges where I wear a lot of hats and um, trying to keep the momentum going is a difficult thing, but it's been a cool challenge. And, you know, I'm glad to be able to work out of my own office and have more of a leadership role in decision making and that kind of thing. Cool. Today, we're going to get behind the scenes of, um, of your workflow for the virtual production of Nightmare. And these shows are insane because you've essentially created a whole entire world from scratch in, you know, what's essentially a small studio space and a connect camera and your imagination. Yeah, it's been uh, a lot of flexibility with just a few pieces of equipment. So the work that you were doing with Nightmare stemmed from a custom VJ package that you created for their portal tour. And then after COVID hit, they had to cancel some of their last show dates, which was a bit of a blow. And then your kind of reaction to this was to be like, well, we could still do it online. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, I spent a little bit of time at the beginning of COVID just doing some research independently. 
just trying to figure out creative opportunities. And then I pitched them to Nightmares Management and they were very interested. And then ball just kept rolling until Nightmare just kind of gave us the green light to go for it and create an experience that was inspired by his portal tour, uh, but also, you know, wasn't bound to the limitations of reality. Before COVID, had you produced many virtual shows? I, yeah, I mean, this is a new adventure of just kind of trying to fill the gap of what needed to be done versus what we have the capability of doing. My goal was to figure out creative ways of bringing the artist into a production environment without the cost and crazy amounts of people. And it's kind of just what can we do, you know? It's interesting because even though you're limited, you're also free of a lot of the constraints of the budget that's required for a, a live, an actual live production, which is something I've noticed you've really taken advantage of in your designs in terms of, you know, for the Lollapalooza show, you were able to kind of take some of your previous experience of projection mapping and rather than just map onto one building, you kind of just take his image and map it onto, you know, pretty much every famous building on the skyline in Chicago and you, know, you use endless amounts of lights and just have full control over, you know, yeah, lots of fun. Right. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that's definitely where the strength lies is, you know, we don't, we don't have to contemplate how much money do we have to spend on video panels and projectors and lights because there it's, yeah, it's just how much time do we have to put into it? Um, do you, do you find that you, the timeline is longer or shorter than a, than a traditional uh, live show production pipeline? Unfortunately, I think a lot of live production is rather quickly executed. You know, we, we roll with the punches and we had, I guess compared to creating the graphics for his tour, we had more time, but, um, yeah, it's all been pretty quickly executed within a handful of weeks at the very most. It's just kind of been a cool process, especially with Nightmare, because he's just been such a cool, relaxed guy, and he really trusts the process. And how much from what you created for the original tour could be repurposed as part of the virtual design? I mean, pretty much all of it has had some use, at least, you know, one of those streams. We kind of mix it up, but basically... I'm still using Resolume, which is what we would use in a show environment to VJ. Uh, but instead of outputting to the video screen, I'm outputting NDI into my notch world. Um, so all of those textures and animations and renders that were done are totally applicable. And we've been uh, just adapting them into new environments, basically. Part of your concept for the portal tour was that there's a series of chapters and they're linked via a portal. When you start working with a new artist, how do you establish their look or the look for the show? Well, so the concept for the original Portal Tour predates my involvement. The circular ring and circular video screens had been kind of branded with his show for a little bit. Uh, but then once they approached us for the content, I just really leaned into some of the different ideas behind like what is a portal and what can it help us do and trying to use that idea as a, a medium to teleport us into all sorts of different environments and nightmare really 
breaks down his set kind of in chapters where he has more aggressive sections and more melodic sections. And so really being influenced by that since he already had his conceptual set laid out. It's been quite lucky, actually, the concept behind using portals that transport you to another world, because that's very much at the core of what you're doing with these virtual shows is you're trying to transport viewers or the audience at home to somewhere completely different. Um, and you can really have fun with that. When you were approaching this project, what did you kind of see as being the most challenging aspect of the production? At the very beginning, even just having the opportunity was a challenge, you know. Um, but really, it's been a lot of fun leaning into the lack of limitations. I mean, there's, I guess, some of the technical challenges lie in terms of, you know, how much can we actually load onto a graphics card and make run at a decent frames per second? Uh, the Connect stream takes up quite a bit of data. And so we're just kind of constantly throttling what we want to do versus what we actually can do. That's been interesting and a constant challenge when dealing with the live environment and pushing 3D as far as we know how. And has it been creatively challenging to deliver a festival experience online? Yeah. Um, so the Lollapalooza set in particular was a little bit of a different take than the Digital Mirage set. And both of them, I guess if you, you know, if I just break down the names of them, you know, like Digital Mirage, I kind of think of, you know, what is a mirage? And it's just your fantasy land. It's whatever you hallucinate or imagine. And so that was kind of fun to really allow the portal to lean into that world and just take us through a journey. Um, and really, the goal was to stay dynamic and have, you know, a lot of change so that it doesn't get boring or it doesn't stay predictable versus the Lollapalooza set. The goal really was to transport us to Lollapalooza because nobody had that opportunity this year. So kind of different takes on what a show experience might be, but it was fun to lean on to both sides, the total fantasy hallucination and then the recreation of something that we're more familiar with. Yeah, because it's quite interesting in terms of kind of keeping that visual interest for an hour long stream is that you're you know, at a normal festival, at a normal live show, you've got the video elements, the lighting elements, the stage design elements, the general atmosphere of the crowd, um, as well as stuff like, you know, like pyrotechnics. And especially for the Lollapalooza show, you've kind of, you've, you've recreated that atmosphere or that buzz by using um, animation and like lighting cleverly, which, you know, it, you said earlier on that when you're running a studio, you're running you're wearing many hats. But for this production in particular, you were really multitasking and crossing into different disciplines when it came to your, your design process. Yeah. Mm. You know, the Lollapalooza one, it was great to collaborate with some awesome people that could help execute the vision. Um, you know, so leaning into the strengths of some, some people in the network and Night Nightmare's lighting designer got involved to actually run the virtual lights and my studio, Amazing. yeah, my studio mate at the brewery, his name is Pete Thornberry, and he helped do a lot of awesome custom touch designer translations just to make that system work from a lighting desk into notch. And so that's been really cool. But yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, a small team, but we're taking on a big challenge, I guess, you know, or just how, how, how far can we push it has been the goal, you know. And you also had Christopher May and Dayton Turney on hand with the helping out with the animation side of things. Yeah, in particular for the uh, Digital Mirage set. Um, so so we, we all kind of took on different worlds. There's a lot of content there in general with your production for these two virtual productions. Um, what was your workflow? For Digital Mirage, it really started with mood boards. Once we had the base idea, like, okay, here's the worlds that we want. Um, then it was really a Cinema 4D design process of just laying everything out, assigning textures, um, and just getting a base understanding of what is in there and what can it do before we even bring it into Notch. It's just such a fun workflow from my perspective to nerd out in Cinema 4D and then bring it over into Notch and just kind of bring it to life. So I, I built these small little computers that have 24 gig video cards in them. So that's kind of the backbone of what's hosting the Notch world. And I actually built two of them and I have two connects so that I can do kind of an A, B scenario and mix it live. The post effects on top are being done live as well. So I, I, custom built like a touch designer interface to run presets of different types of effects or turning things on and off. And that's like a little touchscreen interface that sends the values to the notch block that is loaded inside of touch designer. So it just gives me the, the freedom to orchestrate that as it's happening and with just the tap on the screen. Obviously, there's so many elements and you've got a 360 degree world going on. Uh, with both of these shows. How are you kind of optimizing them to all run smoothly? Have you got any uh, tips or advice? Well, it's a constant challenge, you know, versus what you hope to do versus what you can do. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do hardly any of it if I didn't have very powerful computers. Both of my notch machines are i9 8-core machines with you know, big 24 gig NVIDIA cards. Um, so just not being throttled by like, oh, this scene is 12 gigs on the video card. Like having that be totally okay is, is a huge strength. And then, yeah, just having like the multiple machines so that I can have quick transitions between worlds uh, without loading things has been a good workaround as far as that goes and just utilizing the GPUs as much as possible. You know, you got to use lower poly objects or simplify things or, you know, I've just kind of been picturing it as like, what's the vibe? Like, what's the idea? And how close to that can we get? You know, like, I'm, I'm not trying to render reality as perfectly as possible, you know? Um, so it's been fun to just lean into styles and simplification, um, but still getting a cool result. Is there anything you want to try out for future shows in terms of, because I know the connects, I think you can kind of get a full 360 3D scan now if you use a bunch of them, obviously a bit sure. funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do have two of the connects and I was contemplating that at the beginning. I chose to use them separately on separate machines just to utilize the A, B um, but yeah, I mean, if I had a bunch of connects, I guess the downside is just 
it would throttle me a little bit more on horsepower because that's a lot of data to process. But yeah, I definitely, I, I like that approach and I want to experiment with maybe two connects, get a little cleaner image. Another thing that we're working on right now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be recording a few sets with Nightmare again. And one of them is really trying to recreate what it would actually be like to be at his tour. So similar to the Lollapalooza set, where it felt like a stage, but add a few more production elements. I really want to get like a cool laser effect scanning over the crowd. So like with the Lollapalooza set, we really upped the game. And so just trying to port that over and then add in some lasers for this next version. Have you had a play with the new Chroma Kia yet? The real-time Chroma Kia? Yeah, I have. And it's it's great seems very clean. I guess I've just leaned into the connect because I thought it uh it's a different take, you know, like a lot of people are doing green screen um and it does produce a higher quality clean image. You know, I don't know, maybe I'm such a technical person that it excites me more than other people, but I think it's so cool to see his hands touching the knobs and stuff like that. Um, so one thing that I remembered actually from watching your Lollapalooza show, which is the fact that you got all the buildings scanned in and like the level of detail that you can see when you watch the video is so crisp and clear. Can you tell me a bit more about your process with that? That was the backbone of what we wanted to achieve. I was talking to Nightmares Management and the idea that we really wanted to execute was like, okay, let's transport us to Lollapalooza. And that, you know, the key factor there is we're in Chicago, you know. Um, the photogrammetry side of things is a really cool possibility. I've got a good buddy, Matt Gurton, who helped out a lot to make that happen. He was able to give me a couple of different models. Some of them were like, super high resolution and i wish i could use them because the detail is even crazier but yeah that was uh definitely something about the Lollapalooza set that was interesting and fun to experiment with and did that process kind of inspire your design because i noticed with the camera angles and the camera moves like a lot of that feels like it's being shot from a drone or a helicopter definitely we wanted a large environment i guess comparatively how hollywood might shoot a western you know it's like it's only a facade, but like we wanted to be able to show as much of the environment as possible. So we got a pretty large scan and it really allowed the flexibility to move the camera quite a bit. And yeah, leaning into just the lack of limitations, like we didn't, we didn't need to rent a gimbal and, you know, all these other technical things. Um, or a crane. <laughs> or a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but one of the fun aspects uh, working with Pete on the touch designer side of things, we transformed a 3D mouse into our kind of camera operator for certain camera moves. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of the drone type feel comes in, uh, is we're actually manually flying around with a 3D mouse. Um, All right. And uh, yeah, it's like a flight simulation, then. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> very fun to just kind of create this world and go explore it. It's it's a trip. Yeah, I I mean, I'd love to find out more about the workflow and the relationship between Touch Designer and Notch for these shows. 
because you know you said that you you had built some custom code um, and that the two really work in unison. Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, ever since Notch Blocks were able to be loaded on Touch Designer, I've been experimenting. Um, I'm using it mainly to translate signals and you know load the Notch Blocks um, and really relying on Notch for the rendering. Um, but there's just a lot of capabilities when it comes to exposed parameters and it's nice to keep it on the independent side and not have to rent a disguise box or whatever the case may be every time, like actually owning the the materials and easier and more accessible. I find it so funny that so many people think that notch and touch designer are it's either or or that they're competitors where in reality I think they really complement yeah, each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for me, being more on the motion graphics side, Notch has been an awesome tool where I can just jump in and create the visual results without thinking too hard, you know. But uh, Touch Designer, f- from my perspective, really excels at creating a user interface and like routing signals and translating from one protocol to a different protocol and all that kind of really great stuff. You know, I don't think that there's one perfect tool out there it's kind of fun to use all these different types of tools you know in their strength and not reinvent the wheel relying on resolume as my vj media server and not forcing myself to make a touch designer version of that or whatever you know it's just been trying to use what i have at my fingertips i love the little touches that you put in on the lollapalooza set like the viewpoint from the, you're kind of stood behind the AV desk and yeah. you see all the computers right. there. And, and, you know, there's like little touches like that, which are very much grounded in reality. Um, but then you get to take it to, you know, extend belief basically by even having control of like the color of the sky. Yeah. Um, was it difficult to find a, a balance between the two or did you really just play around until you found, you know, the, the, the feel that you were looking for? Yeah. I would say it was, a uh a balance of kind of experimentation with a basic idea, you know, and it kind of evolved as time went on. Um, And so like the front of house is definitely something that I'm very familiar with. You know, that's where I spend my time if I'm at a show typically. So it was fun to just bring that element into it since it's so familiar as well as kind of like a head nod to the industry and being able to bring some life to that part of the world that's really not active right now unfortunately um but yeah it was cool like we actually got a real-time feed from what the lighting console would have been doing and we put it on the lighting console as an ndi stream oh wow pretty, yeah okay, just cool. some really nerdy details that were just kind of fun how did that idea come about was it something that you that Lollapalooza had said look we're gonna give you access to this, uh, to the lighting fees? Basically, um, I got the trust design from Lollapalooza. Um, and, and then, you know, trying to fill out the world, you know, we use the photogrammetry scan for the Chicago skyline. Um, but the front of house, my buddy, uh, Max McDougal, he just whipped it up in uh, Vectorworks for us. And then I assigned textures uh, from our local machine. So we were running a, a simulated version of the Grandma or Grand MA software. Um, and so then that was able to be captured as an NDI stream. And then I brought it into Notch and then s- assigned it as the textures to the window 
on the 3D lighting console that was there at front of house. So it was just kind of like a simulation of what was actually in our room being reprojected back into the virtual room. So it's kind of fun, a fun little experiment just, just for the fun of it. Inception. Yeah. Yeah. Another <laughs> one of those teleportation methods in some degree. And for anyone thinking of creating their own virtual show, um, what advice could you give them? I, I would hope that, you know, as time goes on or people can just keep experimenting and seeing what's possible. I, for me, that's the most fun aspect of it. The touch designer integration with Notch has been a lot of fun where I can, you know, make presets for variables or, you know, all the exposed parameters and a lot of, lot of cool possibilities out there. Thanks so much for taking the time out to have a chat with me today, Tana. Um, there's so much more that we could talk about and hopefully in the future we'll be able to catch up again because I know that we've just touched the surface on these productions and I'm really excited to see what you come up with next. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been awesome to reflect on these projects and yeah, hopefully we have a good reason to meet up again and talk about more fun stuff. Bye now. All thank right, you. Thank you. You can check out Tanner's work by heading over to his website, t2visuals.com, or by following T2 on Instagram and Facebook at T2Visuals. Check out Nightmare Sets, Digital Mirage, and Lollapalooza on our website, notch.one forward slash showcase. I guarantee you these videos will get you pumped. And while you're there, you can check out the synopsis of this episode. In next week's episode, I'm joined by touch designer royalty Elba Sokabi and recently crowned finalist of the Interactive Immersive Challenge, Synthestruct, a.k.a. Ginger Lee. Here's a little taster of the show. Learning Notch has been really interesting for me because of the similarities it has to touch designer and the differences it has in touch designer. Because I'll even say openly, like, I think I still had that stigma of, oh man, like, this is a, this is a competing software, like... <laughs> No way I'm going to learn the other software. Like, no, I touch designer, ride or die. And, you know, my good friend, Jose, who has Jose from Coco Lab was like, no, dude, like you're, you're really not looking at this the right way. These aren't like competing softwares. Thanks for listening. <laughs>